Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, one verse, verse 12. It's printed there in your bulletin. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there as well. We're looking at just a single verse this morning. And I think you will recognize it in what is known as the golden rule. The golden rule. So that will be our application this morning. Hear now the word of the Lord. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, we're very familiar with this, the golden rule. In fact, you can find people all over the place that will tell you that's their standard for living. Uh, how, do you, how do you conduct your life? What, how do you behave? Oh, I follow the golden rule. And uh, the golden rule is uh, wonderful. It's loaded with meaning when the Lord adds to the phrase, this is the law and the prophets. Because the first part of the phrase, both stated positively as it is here, as you wish others would do to you, do to them, it's also stated negatively by others. You won't be surprised to know that they found the golden rule in Aristotle, in the apocryphal book of Tobit in the uh, ancient days. Rabbi Hillel taught the golden rule. Philo of Alexandra, the famous Greek scholar and influencer whose life came very close to the years that Jesus lived on earth. Philo had a golden rule. And um, another almost contemporaneous teacher, Seneca of Rome, wrote in Latin, wrote many wonderful things, uh, principles of living. He had a golden rule, all stated very similar to what Jesus says here. And this has led some skeptics and scoffers to say, aha, Jesus is not original. He gave this teaching, but he just stole it from others. <laughs> rather negative way to look at it. The ancient world was full of philosophical systems, especially the Greek world, filled with philosophical systems. Uh, Sophia, wisdom, had been part of the Greek tradition for at least 400, 500 years, going back to the Athenian philosophers. My goodness, Hebrew wisdom predated that by a good century or more. And the book of Proverbs was probably 900 to 1,000 years old when it was composed. And it was composed of sayings that had probably gone all the way back to the wisdom of the earliest people on earth following God's creation. So what we have in Christ is not original sounding. And it's not beyond measure in profundity. But Jesus said something a little different. He ties in the whole Old Testament revelation, the 39 books of the Hebrew Bible, into this particular principle. The law and the prophets. If you follow this rule and keep this rule and live according to this rule, you will essentially have obeyed and kept the law, and done that which was admonished 
and preached and proclaimed and insisted upon by the Hebrew prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Hosea, all of those men. So even though it's just one little verse, we've got a lot to look at, don't we? Well, let me make it easy for us. There's a lot of things we can say by way of application about this. A simple, beautiful little precept. Sometimes some people have called it the golden nugget, as well as the golden rule, the golden nugget. Luther called it just a little bit of a bundle, <laughs> how it's all been packaged together. Uh, it settles a, a thousand different uh, points. There's no necessity to have a hundred laws if you can have one general principle that essentially fulfills and meets the expectation of all of the little rules. It may be one rule. It may be just one little nugget, one precept. But it contains in it for the Christian many applications. And this morning I want to just sort of briefly sketch through one. And that is when the apostles talk about our relationship to one another, because this has to do with others, one another, each other, and our relationship horizontally, as opposed to vertically, our relationship to God. But that sets and affects our relationship to one another. And that one another phrase is pulled out by just a single little key word and you wouldn't believe how often that's used in the New Testament in the exhortations to how we're to live. The apostles following Christ just simply took the idea of one another, each other, others taking care of others and just brought it right into the Christian ethic. So I'm going to sketch through the New Testament apostles and pull out a few things that each one said about our treatment to one another. In fact, Paul calls it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he calls it the care we have for one another. The care, the concern that we have for one another. So first let's take Paul. In Galatians, Paul said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And as I mentioned each of these, I want you to just check your own heart, make your own application. How am I doing in that area? Do I have a care and concern? And do I bear the burdens of others? So often we think of the golden rule as in terms of harms. That is, you don't hurt me and I won't hurt you. If you treat me nice, I'll treat you nice. But if you treat me mean, I'm going to be meaner back to you. And that was kind of the ethos of Jesus' day. That was certainly the ethos of the Roman Empire. But that's not what the apostolic urging is. Bear one another's burdens, Paul says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Interesting phrase, the law of Christ. We, we talk about the law of Moses, but all of a sudden now, that law of Moses has been so understood and so, so uh, saturated into the teachings of Christ in the gospel that now it is called the law of Christ. And Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So now it, is, it, it has melded into that. But let me not get bogged down here because there's quite a few of these. 
The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, be careful that thou art not consumed by one another. If you bite and devour one another, if you bite someone and start chewing, it's not very long till you've consumed them, or they you. An admonition, Paul continues in Galatians, let us not become conceited, provoking one another. Provoking one another. Envying one another. Paul doesn't let up in Ephesians. Walk with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. Listen to these treatments of our, of our fellow man and certainly those that are of the household of faith. Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love and flag that term love because you're going to hear it in the apostles' doctrine. You know, the early church continued the apostles' doctrine, and those of us that are kind of oriented to this, oh, they were teaching the, teaching the doctrine of God and sin and man and salvation and all these truths. Sure, sure they were. But they were also teaching the doctrine, the truth of love, the importance of loving one another. Here Paul continue, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. There's your gospel right there. The Lord loved us and gave himself for us. We are forgiven of all of our sins. We are cleansed. We are exonerated. We are justified in the eyes of God. Everything that condemns us has been removed. All debts and penalties and obligations have been paid. It is finished. But it moves on. We've been given that treatment by God. How are we to treat others but to treat them kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another? Later on, Paul says, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Flag that word truth. Speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. One of the great teachings of the New Testament and apostolic doctrine is that we are all in a body. And that body is the body of Christ. And we're members, several members of that body, individual members of that body. But there's a sense in which we are one. And to do to one is to do to ourselves and do to another. And the Lord puts us together in that corporate entity, the body of Christ, that, that we may treat each other right. And we may, as I'm seeing them, Paul goes on in Colossians. He says, do not lie. Remember the emphasis on the truth? Do not lie to one another. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And then here's a beautiful one another passage, flagging that little word all the time. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, 
teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom and singing with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Boy, I'd love to lecture on that right about now. That tells us something about our worship. We admonish one another with the word of God and we do it through our singing of three types of pieces, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Are our psalms, how many of those do we sing to start with? Hymns, where have we put our hymn books? And spiritual songs. The word of God must dwell richly in all three of those so that we are built up in our wisdom and our understanding. And we don't have that unless we do it with one another, with congregational singing and with, and with the teaching of the word and the enjoyment of these great things that God has given us for the fellowship. Well, Paul doesn't stop there, so we can go on. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love toward one another. Increase and abound in love. No matter how much love we have for each other, there's room for more. Increase and abound in love for one another. You have been taught by God to love one another. Paul's now in 1 Thessalonians. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. Did you know it's the job of each other to edify and build up each other in the faith? It's not just the preacher's job for, you know, half an hour on Sunday morning to do all the teaching and all the building up. We are to edify, to strengthen, and to encourage. That means we must be an incendiary fellowship. We've got to be like coals in a fire. We've got to huddle together and keep each other going. And this is the admonition of what we are to do with one another. Well, to the book of Hebrews, whoever the apostle was that wrote Hebrews, I've got a good idea, but technically we don't really know for sure, but listen to what he says. Exhort one another every day that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The verse prior, he spoke of an evil and unbelieving heart. Don't let that kind of heart get in you. How do you prevent that? It's because every day, not just once a week on Sunday, every day you are being admonished, rebuked, loved, cared for, corrected by each other, one another in the faith. Do we have that operating in our lives where we are we are keeping each other on the track and holding each other accountable and giving each other the, the pathways that we need to, to love more and to, and to forgive more and to be more tender-hearted and so forth. That's what the exhortation of Hebrews is. The Apostle James in chapter 4, do not speak evil against one another. There is an admonition for our behavior that is um, negative. He has another one too. Do not grumble against one another. James, listen to John. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And Jesus talks about laying down his life. Now John is quoting Jesus here. And this is that new commandment, that new law. That law that fulfills the law of Moses. That law that covers a thousand smaller rules and regulations. The law of love. The law of Christ, Paul calls it. First John, John continues, we have fellowship with one another. That is, we walk in the light and we walk along together in the light. 
And we have the fellowship, and our fellowship is with Christ centrally, but then it's with one another by extension. We should love one another. We should love one another. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love the brethren. John continues in 1 John, that we love one another as he has commanded us. Beloved, let us love one another. Love is from God. Whoever loves is born of God and knows God. In fulfilling that royal law of love, we are knowing God. We are showing that we have been born of God, that we have been born of that love that conceived all. Love leads to conception, and eternal, everlasting love leads to everlasting life. And we've been born of the Spirit of God and brought forth in, as a new creature in Christ. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. If we love one another, God abides in us. That's interesting. This is getting pretty serious. This idea of the one another has to do with our own spiritual vitality. This is how we know we actually are born from above, that we actually are the children of God. This is how we know that we have passed from death to life. This, this is getting to the vitals of our actual conversion and our actual citizenship in the kingdom of God and our membership in the body of Christ. John continues in 2 John, that we love one another. And this is love that we walk according to his commandments. Well, you see how John just sort of bores in on it. By the way, if you study John's writings, the gospel and the, the epistles that St. John wrote, and then, of course, the book of Revelation, the apocalypse, you'll see there's two things, many, many things he covers because it's very theological, those discourses and, and, that, and those letters. But love and truth, and Paul even speaks of speaking the truth in love. That's the way we obey God and keep his commandments. That's the way we fulfill that royal law. Let's go to Peter. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Above all, keep loving one another. And he uses that same word again, earnestly. This is not a cool thing or a shallow thing or a perfunctory thing. This is, this is dynamic and vital this love that we are to have for one another. Show hospitality to one another. Hospitality is that spirit of welcome, that open arms, that saying and extending the call of Christ, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The hospitality is the, is the physical taking care, the being the true neighbor. It's the point of Jesus' parable of the Samaritan, the good Samaritan that found the man along the wayside, wounded and bleeding and half dead, and he was hospitable to him. Serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. And now before I wrap up, more Paul. I just couldn't get away from Paul. I thought I had him covered, but <clears throat> the more I began to look up terms, the more I found out I hadn't really scratched the surface. 
when Paul gets to the end in chapter 12 and, and, uh, and following chapter 13, 14, and 15, as he begins to wrap up the book of Romans, he's filled with admonitions. And here they are, love one another with brotherly affection. In other words, it isn't just a performance, it's a, it, it is an emotion. There's an emotive force with our love. It's beyond just treating each other right because that's the right thing to do. Those of us that are law keepers, that, that'd be about all we'd worry about. But no, no, it goes beyond that. It has to come out of a heart of true love and affection to one another. This is an interesting phrase. Outdo one another in showing honor. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Live in harmony with one another. That's an interesting phrase, live in harmony. It's a musical term. It means that the vibes have all got to have the right count. When you get the right count on the tones, they harmonize. It's either concord or discord. And if it's disharmony, it, it, it's restless and it stirs up and it's, it's discontent. But with harmony, there's peace, there's contentment, there's resolve, there's rest. And besides that, there's beautiful music. And that's what I think the Lord wants us to do with one another is to be, have a harmonious relationship. Oh, no man, anything except to love one another. Here it is again. The one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Think of all those wonderful commandments. God didn't get rid of them. He just gave us a way to keep them. Let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. And that's interesting. Paul knows we've been doing that. And so he tells us to cut it out. He didn't say, you know, if, if you've ever done it, he knows we have. We've done that. Passing judgment on one another. Don't do it any longer. Stop it. Let today be your last day to ever do that. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. There's the open arms of the welcome. That's the, the welcome of the Lord is something we need to have in our souls for everyone. The terms may vary, whether it's a dear brother in Christ or whether it's a total stranger or whether it's an enemy. But we still have those welcome arms open. And it's for the glory of God. You see, the Lord welcomed us when we were really not very becoming. Christ died for the ungodly. Did you know that? If you come under the conviction of the Lord that there's sin in your life, then that's your trigger right there to tell you that's Christ died for you. That's why. Don't ever get the idea that I, I don't live up to all this commandments. I, I'm not worthy to be saved. Christ didn't come to heal the righteous, he came to call sinners to repentance. So the day you recognize your sinfulness is the day the gospel's going to mean something to you. It's the day you're going to flee to Christ for forgiveness. It's the day you're going to call upon him for salvation. It's the day you're going to feel the, the, the refreshing washing of the blood of Christ, cleansing you of every sin and making you right with God in his sight. Live in harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. Interesting little phrase. Remember in the Bible when the people were in the 
upper room, tarrying, waiting on the next move of God. It says they were in one accord. One accord. And being in one accord in an upper room, privately huddled in prayer and fellowship before each other will eventuate in not too many days hence a great Pentecostal meeting where the Spirit of God descends upon all flesh, men and women, boys and girls, and they all call upon the name of the Lord for salvation. And that's being in one accord, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Able to instruct one another. There's that idea that comes up again. Shouldn't we be able to admonish, teach, comfort one another? Should we know enough about the Lord and His Word and about the Christian life to be able to answer questions, to be able to sympathize and empathize? That's where we come against. This, is, this one another is this mutual treatment of one another, but it's also mutual ministry. And that's really who the ministers of PCPC are. It used to be in the bulletin. It may still be. I don't know. I haven't noticed it. Who are the, who are the pastors? Well, they name them. You know, who are the elders? They name them. Who are the musicians that played this morning? They'll name them. And then they say, who are the ministers? Every single member of PCPC is a minister in that sense. Well, we're out of time. Uh, that was, that's 42 I found 42 one another's in the New Testament, and I didn't really search that hard, so who knows how many there are altogether. But that's the way I think we'll fulfill and enjoy every minute of it, fulfilling the law of the prophets is through this golden rule that Jesus has given us.